Welcome. If, if you're new to Bridgman here today, we're so glad you're here. And you've come in the middle of a series, um, as has been mentioned, a much prayer, much power. Uh, how God works when ordinary people pray. Ordinary people like you and I pray how God moves in power. I'm in the second week of that, and today we're looking at the way the Holy Spirit empowers us in our prayers. And throughout this series, we're looking at simplifying prayer. Um, Nathan did that last week, and, and I want to just start off by simplifying it. I know prayer is co- complex in one way. There's questions about prayers. It's mysterious in, in different ways. But let me just simplify it. Prayer is believing that there is a God who loves you so much, a a God who is above everything else, a creator God who has all power, sovereign power, God who loves you, who is powerful. And then there is us, people who know our need, who are um, finite, Um, who need God, who have circumstances in our lives which are difficult or we need God, we want to see God move in. And prayer is the joining of those two things. Prayer is seeing the power of God, the love of God, His presence come into our life, through our life, and His kingdom coming here on earth. And prayer is the simple thing that joins us, that connects us, to his power and his presence. Many of you know that I grew up on a farm in Stanthorpe. um, And if you ask my family, they would say to you that Andrew didn't necessarily like working on the farm. I love living on the farm, but there are many jobs on the farm that I didn't necessarily like doing. But there was one particular job that I loved doing or many, but they often were around working with machinery, driving tractors, I love that. And one of my favourite jobs was when Dad would come up to the house or to the shed and he would say to me, Andrew, um, I'm bogged. I'm bogged. I need you to come and help me get the tractor out. And so we'd go, we'd go and get a tractor, uh, we'd go and get a big chain and we'd drive to whichever paddock he was working in and we'd reverse up, reverse, and we'd tie up that chain um, to get him out of the bog. And uh, I would then... Just check with Dad, particularly when I was younger, I'd say, Dad, what gear do you want me in? How many revs do you want me to put this tractor in? I'd take the slack in this chain, and then there was this moment. There was a moment when I'd turn around to Dad and say, yep, you're good to go, I'm good to go, let's go. I I would maneuver, put the clutch in, put it into gear, and then when I let out the clutch, the power, the 50 horsepower of the tractor I was on would enact and work upon the situation my father was in when the clutch was released. Up until that point, it's there, it's powerful, it's revving, it's, it could even be in gear. But not until that clutch is released is the power enact. Someone said you never, someone told me after the first service, you never get bogged, you just lose traction. <laughs> I thought that's pretty good. Do you lose traction in your life? I do too, I need traction. And, and the clutch is the picture of prayer in our lives. The clutch unleashes the power onto that circumstance and that situation. Prayer is not powerful. You're going like, what's he talking about? <laughs> much prayer, much power. Prayer is not powerful, God is powerful. 
Prayer is the clutch in our life that releases the power of God into our lives. And it is a gift for every one of us that through prayer, through communicating God, through connecting with God, His power, and I want to say, not just His power, because sometimes if we think power, we think miraculous um, intervention, and that's part of it. But it's not just His power, it's His wisdom. It's His love. It's His peace. It's His strength. It's experiencing that power coming into our lives. Philip Brooks said this about prayer. He said, if a man is man and God is God, to live without prayer is not merely an awful thing, it is an infinitely foolish thing, is what he says. What he's saying there, if, if we truly believe who God is, that God is God, and we know who we are and our own weakness and fallibility, to, to not pray is crazy, is basically what he's saying. Now, in that, I know that we all struggle with prayer. As we've said a number of times, none of us are probably putting up our hands and saying, I've nailed this. Nathan shared last week about some of his struggles in prayer. In the video, you'll see, I'll share some of the struggles in in my prayer life. None of us have nailed it. And probably, if if I'm honest, I reckon most of you here would say, if I asked you the question, do you want a good prayer life? Do you want want to be a great prayer? Most of you would say, yes, I want that. But we struggle, don't we? It's a little bit, I think one of the reasons we struggle, and you might see me struggle in a minute. I don't want to drop this on my toe. That wouldn't be good, would I? I'm doing all that great work from the surgeon. The prayer, the one of the reasons we pray is because we feel like we are doing the heavy lifting in prayer. That the success of my prayer life is on me. That, that I can't pray because there's too much sin in my life. Do you see where the, who's doing the heavy lifting? I must get my life sorted before I can pray. That I don't have the right words to pray. You see how in these belief systems, these thing, conclusions that we might make, we are doing the heavy lifting. God might answer that person's prayer, but not mine. I don't know what to pray. You might have even concluded, I'm just not a prayer. Because you think it's all about you, or we can fall into the trap of believing we carry the weight. It is up to us. I want to put it to you this morning. What if, what if it is God who does the heavy lifting in prayer? What about prayer, what about if it's more about who he is rather than who I am? What, what, if, what would it be if, if it's more about who, what he has done and less about what I've done? And as we look at this today, as we look at a big biblical view of prayer, I would say God is moving us to trust in his ability to allow him to do the heavy lifting and not us. And in that sense, I wanna say to everyone here, everyone watching online as well, that you can be a great prayer. 
Why do I say that? Because I'm saying it's more about who God is and what, who, and what he does rather than you. I don't even know you fully, but I know who God is and I know what he says. And so what if, what if God is calling you to an incredible ministry of prayer to see God's power unleashed in your life, in your surrounds, in your church, in your community, not because you're great, but because you know and you trust someone who is great. And so today we're going to look at prayer and we're going to look at the way the Holy Spirit empowers us in prayer. We look at chapter 8 of Romans and this chapter speaks about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And particularly this morning, I want to look at a few verses that speak about the way the Holy Spirit leads us in prayer. So let's have a look at Romans 8, and first I'm going to read verses 14 to 17. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, in this passage, Paul is speaking about the relationship we have as we come to pray, and that is of a child to a father. But I want to backtrack just a little bit. Often when we think of the work of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we will think and give thanks and worship as we have this morning, which is true and right, that we have been forgiven that our sins have been taken away, that our sins are dealt with. Amazing. That, that we can know forgiveness of sin, re be released of shame and guilt, no matter what our past is. This is an incredible gift. We, we will give thanks that we are now, because of Jesus, right with God, that we have right relationship with him. As again, we've spoken and sung about this one. There's, we will give thanks that we have a hope. A hope that's beyond this world, a hope past death. Amazing that there's an eternal hope. We, we think of these things as we think about the cross. But all of those things are a foundation to a greater gift that we have been invited into. And that greater gift is that you and I in Jesus are invited to function and to know that you are children of God. That you can live in intimate relationship with your creator day in, day out, knowing that you're a child. Not just forgiven, not just reconciled, not just a hope for the future, but that you are invited into an intimate relationship with God. J.I. Packer says, the first thing I mention about adoption um, is that it is the highest privilege the gospel offers higher even than justification. Justification is the foundation of adoption, but it's not the end in itself, he's saying. 
Yes, these are great gifts, but the greater gift is that you enter into this relationship of adoption. As I was reading and, and researching for this sermon, I, I came across a lady sharing her story of being adopted. And she uh, recounted that story, but also related it to her adoption into God's family. And she said the first part of adoption is that the initiation, the, the in initiative of that relationship came from my parents, my adopted parents. They had such a love within them, they wanted someone to come into their family, they wanted to pour out their love and their grace and their blessing on someone. And they said, they, they entered adoption and called me into that. I wanna to say to everyone here this morning, God loves you more than you can imagine and he is calling you into a relationship of love to bless you, to pour out his grace and his life into you. No matter where you're from or what your story is, an intimate relationship with God. And she then said, you know, they did not know even what my gender was. Didn't know if I was male or female, didn't know what capacity or ability or inability I had. Their love for me was unconditional. And they just called me or chose me. And I would say to you, it, for all of us, God's love is not dependent on what you have to offer. We know that. Our capacity or inability, it doesn't matter. His, his, his love for us is unconditional. And she said, they didn't even know about my impoverished past. They, did, they, they, they just called me into this relationship. And similarly, God doesn't look at our impoverished past. He doesn't look at our sin. He's dealt with all of that and says, I want you. I want you. I want to know you. I want to pour out my grace and love into your life. And she said, at the end, I had a legal certificate to say, I am a, a member of this family that gives me all legal rights within this family. And similarly, in Jesus, we have spiritual adoption, legal rights, as it said in here, co-heirs and heirs of God to inherit all the spiritual blessings of Jesus in our lives because of who he is, what he says about us, what he has done, and not who we are. And he calls us into this intimate relationship. And he goes one step further to say, I'm going to put my spirit in you, the same spirit, the spirit of my son, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. I'm going to put it in you so you can know this truth in the deepest parts of your being. It says there that the spirit will come in and testify with your spirit that you are a child of God, that you can live loved, you can live secure because his spirit is in you. And it says that spirit will cry out, Abba, Father. Now, Paul could have said that spirit will cry out, Father, and that would have been correct. But he's saying, Abba, Father. It's an Aramaic term where it's a, I was watching um, Clancy in, in her father's arm. It's like, like this young child crying out to a father. And Paul is saying, this is the relationship 
that you can have with your heavenly father. And if you think of just little Clancy in her father's arms, so secure, so loved. If she cries out, there he is, ready to help. Does she have access to the father? Yes, she does. I love the story of one of the president's sons just running through the the White House straight into dad's office because there's access. Do you know in Jesus, as a child of God, this is the access, this is the love, this is the security that you have as you relate and pray to God. And it's more about, again, who he is and what he's inviting us into rather than ourselves. So as we think about prayer, it's, as I said, less about who we are, but then we come into this position and we say, well, God, here I am, I'm praying, and I can come directly into the throne of grace because Jesus, you've dealt with my sin, you've removed that curtain, I can come into the holy of holies, the the throne of grace because of Jesus, because I'm not trusting in me, I'm trusting in what you say and what you've done, and there at the throne of grace, I'm gonna cry out like a little child saying, God, I'm in need, I can't do this, but I'm not trusting in me, I'm trusting in you. And we pray from that position of humility, position of dependence. But I wanna wanna emphasize this. It's also a place of trust and faith. If, If I go back to that illustration of my chain, the chain in that illustration between those two tractors is one of dependence, one of need, and faith. My dad realized he didn't have any traction in that area of his life at that moment. You and I might realize that sometimes. But we come in need. I can't do anything about this. But I'm chaining myself to you, God. I'm I'm recognizing my need. I'm asking for your help. But two, I am trusting and I know that you have the power to get me out of this situation. You have the power to act in this situation. I need your wisdom. You have wisdom. You will speak into this. I need love. I need peace your presence, your capacity, I'm inviting that into this situation. That is prayer, that we have access. And that's why this guy will say, it is crazy not to pray. I know why we don't, we struggle sometimes, but when we anchor ourselves to who he is, as we humble ourselves and depend on him and trust in him, his power is unleashed. His presence is unleashed into our lives. In our weakness, though, he says, I will help you. Let me read um, from, sorry, I've lost my notes, gone ahead. In verse 26, it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Intercede means speaks on our behalf. Wordless groans, I love that. Like you can just even take our wordless groans, and he takes and uses those as well. He helps us in our weakness. And of course, Paul here is saying, we don't know what to pray. Have you ever been in a situation where you don't know what to pray, what words? I mean, sometimes people would come to me and they say, oh, I've got this big decision at work. Oh, should I move my family here or there? Well, I don't know what to pray. <laughs> I don't know what, what the best thing is. But God does. 
And so the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray, but that's okay. We just humble ourselves. I don't need to be God. (laughs) That's His job. I humble myself and say, God, I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know what's best. And we see this in Paul's life. There's this great story in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul has uh, this thorn in the flesh. And no one really knows what it was, but it hindered him. And here Paul is, like this amazing guy on ministry, wanting to plant churches and see God's kingdom come. And he's just crying out and saying, God, would you please remove this thorn in my flesh? It's hindering me and stopping me. And do you know what? I think, God, that's a great prayer to answer. Why don't you take that away to set Paul free to get on with the job? And Paul would have seen much bigger miracles than that in his life. And he's there praying and he prays and cries out the first time and no answer. Didn't get taken away. He cries out a second time, God, take, remove this thorn of flesh. No answer. And the third time he cries out. And by this time, God, why not? What are you doing? And in 2 Corinthians 12, we read his answer. God says, Paul, I'm I'm leaving that thorn in the flesh to keep you weak. He said, because Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. He's saying, Paul, my thoughts are far above your thoughts. My ways are far above your ways. You thought the best thing would be that that would be removed, but what I'm doing is I'm showing you that my power is made perfect when you're humble and weak. And if you want to know my my power, then you need to stay humble and weak. Paul had great intentions. He had great motivations. As I said, greater miracles had been done. But here he was brought to a place of humility. And then after hearing that, he said, well, I will boast all the more in my weakness because I want to know God's power. So in that, we see that even Paul didn't know what to pray. Even Paul, the the guy that wrote the New Testament. So so if you don't know what to pray, that's good. You're in good company. I don't know what to pray. Paul doesn't know what to pray. (laughs) We just come to God and let him work with our prayers And and there's a quote from Robert McShane that says, God will give you everything you ask for in prayer or something better. (laughs) He's saying that in this this instance, like, you pray, Paul, that's great that you just keep bringing this before me to remove this this, this, um, thorn in the flesh. I'll give you that. Or if not, I'll give you something so much better. And so we don't need to know. Prayer is more about the heart that we come than the words that we speak. We come as in need. We come humbly, but we come full of faith and trust in what he can do, not in what we can do. And so Paul, as you see, as you read through the scriptures, he functions like this. You can read throughout the New Testament where Paul is saying, in Romans 1.10, it says, In my prayers all the time I pray for you, and I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. He's saying to the Roman church, I want to come to Rome but only if God wills, only if God opens the door. I'm I'm helpless otherwise, or I don't want to do it unless God opens the way. He says to the Corinthians church, again, a place of humility, but I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. He lives in this position of humility, saying, I'm not in control. 
I'm actually pretty helpless. But I work under the authority of someone who is very able and capable. And if he wills it, I'll be there. But if he doesn't, I can't. That is the posture of prayer. Again, in Acts 8, 21, he says, I'll come back to you if it is God's will. We, we don't have the power to change things. That's why we pray. We don't have the wisdom. That's why we pray. We don't have the love and the capacity, the peace that we need. That's why we pray. Because we know someone who does. Know someone who can help us. And the Holy Spirit, the other role the Holy Spirit has, he brings these prayers before the throne of grace and he brings them in accordance with God's will. In 8.27, the next verse, it says, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. As we bring our prayers to him, he will bring the answer according to the will of God, the best will for your life and for my, my life. We, we might not know what that is. We might have other ideas of what we think is best, like Paul. But we don't have to doubt that as we humble, and pr- humble ourselves and pray, that he will bring us in line with God's will. The Holy Spirit is sometimes described as the paraclete, um, which means, it's from a Greek word, but para comes alongside. And so it's like in our prayers, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that, of the Spirit of the Son of Jesus is in us and cries out to God as we cry out. He, he leads us and helps us in those prayers. The Holy Spirit is called our helper and he's also called like an advocate. Now, an advocate speaks on your behalf. Um, you could think of a law, uh, a court, law court situation or scenario where a, a lawyer is like an advocate. And you, you come to your lawyer and you say, well, this is my situation, this is my circumstance, this is my desire in this situation and circumstance. And you bring all that to your, your lawyer, and as they go to court, they will represent you and they will speak to you before the judge. And that's what the, the role of the Holy Spirit. He knows our heart, he knows our desires, knows our situation, and he brings those before God in, in, in his, his presence to the throne of grace. I've never seen the situation where the, law, the lawyer hears that heart, comes to the judge and says, do you know what, with this one, I think they're guilty. I think you should just punish them. An advocate will never do that, and the Holy Spirit never condemns us. The Holy Spirit brings that prayer and says, this person's forgiven. This person's a son of God, a daughter of God. They, they can come, they know Jesus, he's done it all, and here we go. I am for you, I am with you. And we've got this big problem at home at the moment, really big problem. Our coffee machine is breaking down. The steam wand is not working properly, and we just sit it there for maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes to heat up the milk. Um, and just a, you might know me well enough by now, but I'm not the guy that will just go and get a screwdriver, pull it apart, and go and find out what the issue is. Um, that's not me. What I need in that situation is someone I can hand my coffee machine and my problem to that will take hold of that. Uh, maybe a coffee technician person, we'll, we'll use that terminology, a coffee technician person would come and say, I can help you with that, Andrew. 
They would look at it. They would open it up. They would have infinite wisdom when it comes to coffee machines. They would have a love and a care for me that they would want to help me with this situation. They would open it up and they would see all these parts that look like wires and electrical boards and pipes to me. They would know the name of every part. And if they found the problem, they would because they've got infinite wisdom, they would be able to ring someone and say, I need a, just a moment, a brew head seal. I need an anti-drip shower head screw for a 6910R. Google helped me with that. They would know the language to speak to the, the parts owner to be able to express what I could never express. And I want to let, let you know on a secret, the Holy Spirit does that before the throne of grace for you. The Holy Spirit is interceding for you with your best interests at heart before the throne of grace, bringing your requests to God. You can even pray with groans. Don't worry about the words. He'll translate those and bring them before the throne of, of grace. And he loves you more than you can imagine. He has infinite wisdom, infinite power. He knows the future. He knows the past. He knows your heart better than you even know your heart, my heart. And he brings them. We just need to come humbly. We just need to come dependent like children, but faith-filled that he can do what we never could do. He is sufficient where we're never sufficient. And that throne is a throne of grace. Don't you love that term, throne of grace? Throne, kingly, all power, all authority, but one that is given by grace. And he brings those prayers. Writing about this, the role of the Holy Spirit, Charles Spurgeon says this, that the king would say to the petitioner, bring your case before me and I will grant your desire is kindness. But for him to also say, I will be your secretary. I will write out your petition for you. I will put it into proper words so that your petition shall be framed acceptably. This is goodness at the utmost stretch, he says. But this is precisely what the Holy Spirit does for the poor, weak wavering, weak children. What a gift prayer is. What a gift the Holy Spirit is for us intervening in our lives. And you know, you're sitting as an answer to prayer. Have you ever thought of that? In 1992, a small group of people met and prayed that there might be a church in this community, a church that would bring light, bring love, bring the presence of Jesus in this community. In 1992, that's not even that long ago. They prayed that. And I don't know what they pictured, but I have heard Peter say that what God has done is beyond and bigger than what he could have expected or imagined. Can I ask you a question? Do you want to live a life where you see God moving in a greater way than you could ever expect or imagine? I do. And it begins with this posture of prayer and trusting in what he can do. Nathan read it at our vision um, service two weeks ago. He read this verse in Ephesians. Now, to him, let's offer it up to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power 
that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is what God wants to do. This is what God invites us into. And I know that there have been people that would walk this block, this whole block, this many years ago, that pray and would ask, God, would you give us this whole block? Not knowing how that would possibly happen, but believing that God could do it. Believing in faith that God was able to do what he could do. They walk and they would pray. And do you know what? Many times it looked impossible that would even occur. Some of you might have been around where we had a field of faith vision, raising money to buy the last property on this, this block. And uh, we raised it and, and we're praying and roadblock after roadblock, it was not a possibility to buy the last property. In a period of prayer, the Holy Spirit revealed that actually the number of car parks needed to do a building had changed within the government or the council regulations and possibly we could build a smaller building, still a bigger building to fit people in after streaming for 12 years across into the chapel, build it here without needing that, that property. So we started with a time to build, raising money, preparing drawings to, to build without needing that property. Just following the lead of the Holy Spirit. Then at the 11th hour, it then became possible that we could buy the last property. And all of a sudden, it was a field of faith and a time to build. And with God giving us something much better than we could expect or imagine. But it was God who made a way. And it was birthed in prayer. We don't know what to do, God. We pray. We know you're able to do it, God. We trust in you. We can't do anything. And I tell you, when we live in this posture, we live with dependence and faith, we are invited to see God do something bigger than we could expect or imagine. In your family, God wants to answer prayers and cries of your heart, things that you could never do. But don't worry, He can do it as you come in humility and faith. In your workplace, in your school, in your front lines, God wants to do something that's bigger than you could expect or imagine. You might not know how He's going to do it. You might not even know what He's going to do. But you pray. Pray that His kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven. And I, I want to emphasise that we are invited into this ministry. And I want to ask the question, what would it look like if a church like this, if we began to pray and began to live not as if we're carrying the weight of our prayers and we began to trust in who He is and take up the invitation He has for us in what He has done and the, the, the principles that release His power into our lives? What would it look like? And I want to invite you even this week on Thursday night to come to that seminar about the practical um, seminar about prayer. What does this look like in our lives as we continue to seek Him? And just as we look back and see all that God's done, I know that God, and this is what Nathan said, faith for more in 2024. God wants to do something so much 
more greater. And I, I watch the cars drive through the streets here and know that so many people need the love of God in their lives. So many more than what's experienced so far. And how's God going to do that? Well, I don't know. But I know one who can do it. And I know he wants to use me. And I know he wants to use you for his power to come. In a moment, we're going to sing a song. But in it, as we sing it, I just encourage us to pour out our heart in prayer. And as you do that, I want to invite you to just picture yourself. God, I'm coming before that throne of grace, right into his presence because of Jesus. There is a child and you just present your request to Him. He's made a way for you to boldly come to that throne of grace and then pour out your heart. It might be about your family. It might be about church. It might be something totally different. But pour out what you would love to see God do, something that's bigger than you, something that you're not able to do, that you would love to see Him do. And for some of you, that might be just, God, I don't know if you're even real, but here I am. I'm starting a conversation with you. If you're real, show me. For others, it might be a deep burden that God's placed on you. For others, you might even want to come and ask for prayer. But God loves authentic prayers, even groans. He'll take groans and just bring them before the throne of grace. So as we sing this last song, I just encourage us just to to release our heart to Him, to pray and to know that is brought before the throne of grace. Let me just pray. Lord, Thank you for the gift of prayer. Thank you that your spirit lives within us. Thank you that you're able to do more than we could expect or imagine. Lead us now by your Holy Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.